Well, it's been a while since I've done any podcast recording. Um, I actually uh, had so many things going on, I would say, uh, not external things, but just a lot of internal thought, uh, thinking, reflecting, uh, things happening in my life that caused me to have more reflection uh, or meditating on things, uh, some reading that that gave me some thoughts, some actual things that happened in my life that gave me a bam, an understanding of some clearer pictures of things I saw in scripture. Now, I want to say this right off, okay? There, I studied the Bible since I was six years old. I became a Christian at six years old. And I don't discount it at all. Uh, do I count it as the final uh, only uh, thing to ever read or to be written? No. But I do count the story of, of Yeshua bar Joseph called Jesus as the most important story of all people that I've ever read about or the most important life that I've ever read about that had has had influence on me since I was a young child and still does. Uh, and I want to say that right off. Now, I know there's going to be atheists trying to disprove that he lived. There's going to be theists that says, uh, you know, that have come up with our concoctions of dogmas and doctrine to try to squeeze this Jesus into or whatever. Uh, but uh, I want to tell you that first off, in 2012, I had an epiphany. And that epiphany, and I'm not going to go into the details of it because I have written about it before in the past. But that epiphany opened my heart and mind to see that uh, a much bigger picture than what I'd held of supposedly or, or uh, this God that seems to have been put in a box by that very word, God. Uh, and, that, and that has been put into a box by just about every religion uh, you can think of and by society and culture. And uh, I didn't see any more this picture of a God like in the old chick publications of this old man sitting on this huge throne uh, with, a, with a fiery hell burning nearby and a movie screen showing to the left and him reviewing our lives to say you were bad and you were nasty and you did this wrong and you did that wrong. And so, and then they'll ask you, well, you do you believe in Jesus? And if you didn't believe in Jesus, then you got to stay there at the throne. And if you said, well, I don't believe in Jesus, uh, they threw you in the fire. Well, I found in my growing and over this lifetime, a whole lot of people believe in Jesus, but they don't believe anything about the character of the man or the life that was in him or the life that's within them. They reject that. Uh, and and that is the sin of, of, of humanity is in that uh, they did not see uh, that uh, as he said over in uh, John, I think, I think 16, 7, 11, he says, and when he comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he, he says he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you see me no longer, and about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. Let me explain that a little bit further. When he says, do not believe in me, 
it's fine to say I believe in Ralph Cramden was a character on the Honeymooners. It's fine to say I believe that my wife over there exists. But what do I know about that person? What have I what have I really learned to trust that there's something true about that person uh, that was that so differentiates the way the world is in so many ways, <clears throat> and and that that's the real the word belief carries a very it, it's such an easy little package to to carry around with you. You can put it in a little put it in your wallet even and you know a little card that says I believe in Jesus but that's meaningless it's totally meaningless because it's not a matter about believing that this man lived or didn't live or who he was or his story was real or not real it's really about trusting in uh, in a life that he exemplified that truly is within us that we can draw upon uh, to live our lives forth and and for me, at first, in seeing Jesus as a young child, I wanted to mimic that Jesus. And I hit a spot in my life between 16 and 17 where I tried my best to try to be like this Jesus in the sense that uh, I, I felt that I was imperfect and morally imperfect, and I just couldn't be moral, morally perfect. And I tried so hard, I literally drove myself just near nuts. And uh, and and then I realized that it wasn't about trying to be a moral perfectionist. It wasn't about trying to be a, a person that obeys all the rules and regulations of this world. It definitely wasn't about uh, a, a, an obedience to a law or the church's commands or rules and regulations and all that garbage. It was about a life lived that he lived, and and I want to try to draw that out in the in the sense of I want to draw a comparison between, and the word kingdom I know bothers people, and, and, and it bothers me if I, if I don't put the right interpretation to it. Because when we think of kingdoms, we immediately think of the kingdoms of this world and how have all those kingdoms been. They've been about domination, the power of domination. But Jesus in his picture shows an entire different kind of kingdom where there's not a ruler commanding obedience uh, that that's saying, look, I have a supreme authority, and if you disobey me, I'm going to strike you down. I'm going to injure you. I'm going to harm you. I'm going to do something terrible to you. And I'm telling you, if you're holding on to that, you've lost the picture of the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is not about that at all. The kingdom of God stands in direct opposite of the kingdoms of this world. It stands in direct opposite of its violence, of its means to uh, force upon others to do what it wants. It's a complete opposing picture that Jesus clearly portrays in his own life, but mostly at this moment when he stands before Pilate. At this point in time, and this is where I see Christians still get it wrong. They're still looking for that almighty, powerful God of the Old Testament. 
that would just go out and whack anybody just for any dang reason that the Jews could come up with or any reason they thought of he should or 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 this God was displeased or pissed off or he would commit genocide and infanticide and all kinds of horrible deeds that no human uh, would even call good even if they accept it now. I mean, we've accepted genocide and infanticide in our own culture. We've accepted all those things. And then we, after it's all done and over, we look back on it and say, oh, how terrible that was. But we were right there participants in it. We were participants in the, the murdering. And the father of lies has always been a murderer, as, as Jesus talked about. And that father of lies is this culture or this society or this ideology whereby man lives in his concept of power of domination or powering over others. It is whereby he is he sees the only way to resolve a problem is by someone taking the domination and and and, and some authority and going out there and harming a person that's upsetting their whole idea of dominating and, and why and, and you know their their right to dominate and all this stuff. Well, at the at the at that day with Pilate, Jesus throws up something that most Christians the first thing they hear is something else. When he when he says to them, my when he says to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. For if it was, I could call a thousand angels, basically. And so here he clearly draws the distinction. Now. Christians are saying, well, see, that's what God's all about. He's got all these angels under command, because see, if you look at the Old Testament, he'd call those angels out, and they would go out and kill these people and destroy them. But at this point in time, he's not going to do that because God's got a different trick up his sleeve or whatever, you know, and 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 he he's he, he doing this thing because he's going to punish this son so that he might love the rest of his children. And it's the most ludicrous idea in the world. God is going to do this horrible evil. He's going to do it to other, do it to this other, this Jesus, who's another, literally, in a, in a sense, if you draw this difference of this Jesus out and say, well, God is not like that Jesus, peaceful, loving, kind, compassionate, always seeking to uh, to power under, in a sense, rather than power over. And when I say power under, Becoming powerless in the sense of not holding on to the ideas of power that this world holds on to, which is the power of domination. And so he's not saying here, well, just wait till I come back, Pilate, after you kill me, and then I'm going to bring all those angels and I'm going to kick your ass, and I'm going to kick everybody's ass that was, well, let me tell you, first off, everybody's responsible for the murder of Jesus. In a true sense, we're all responsible because we do it now in our joining up with the dominations and belief in and, and, and the power of domination in our own lives, within our own societies, within our own cultures. When we look at the, the idea that if you don't think like me and you don't believe like me and talk like me and obey the things I say you must obey, 
uh, or else we are already, that is the kingdom of this world. That's how the kingdom of this world functions entirely. And Jesus draws a complete distinct picture of what the kingdom of God is like and not the kingdom of this world. And so everybody that's trying to pull uh, the return of Jesus to come back and kick some ass or get some retribution for what they did to him or, or any of that has lost their freaking minds. And I'm just saying that for my, I'm saying that not only from my own personal opinion, but from my own 50, almost, uh, well, literally 61 years of being a Christian and and one that that has gone through so many experiences and encountered so many people and studied the Bible and studied other religions and everything else. That I'm not an expert. I'm a person that's experienced life, and life has been uh, a real uh, lesson to me because it made me realize how foolish it is to want to live your life dominating other people. And, and and taken on an authoritative supremacist position, how how much more love I could gain from dropping all of that, moving away from it, leaving that to where it is, an adversary of humanity, all of us, literally, even though we take it up like a scepter and we want to use it on others, it's a scepter that man must lay down because that there is their image of God. Their image of God is to be reinflected in the way that they want to use the power of domination over people. And that is not any kind of God that I believe in or see at all. And I know that upsets the living crap out of people, and I'm sorry, that's too bad. You can have your God of domination, and you can have your kingdoms of this world I choose the powerlessness of love. And I say powerlessness because in relationship to how the world looks at Jesus, uh, how the world would look at Jesus, and, and, and many atheists do this, of course. They say, well, why would any man go ahead and let himself be killed? Because it's the power of love that drove him to the place that he was, that this power domination culture, this cult, of wanting to power over people and use violence to do so and by force, that Jesus does not take up that scepter. Instead, he shows the opposite of what they thought God was like, and he becomes this mere man that they can uh, tear his flesh and beat him up and abuse him and accuse him and slap him on one of the most torturous uh, ways to kill a criminal in those days on a cross and make him die a horrible, painful death. And that would seem like crazy to any of us. And it does seem crazy. That's why the cross is such a stumbling block to people to this day. It's a stumbling block because they want to turn it all around to this story that God was pissed off at man, and so he had to find a way to punish man and make a sacrifice. And that all goes back to that old Jewish thinking and that old God, who in my opinion was no God at all, but literally a projection of man's own ignorance in the way throughout the Old Testament that they used this idea of God to justify the harms they were doing. And men do it today. 
You know, you hear the people in the court saying, you know, God led me to, or God was behind us to go over and fight that war, or God was with us to go over there and injure those poor people that don't have the same color of us or or whatever. I'm so sick of that. It just makes me want to barf every time I hear it. No, God was not. It. Well, yeah, your God was in it, but not the not the reality of the Holy Spirit that lives within me and lives truly in you. If you dig down deep enough in your heart, you're going to know that's all wrong. You're going to find out for yourself that's all wrong and the wrong approach to take. But I want to say that again about Pilate. Jesus wasn't saying, look, he wasn't saying, look, uh, you know, my kingdom, you know, if he says right there distinctly, because they believed in angels and they believed in these powerful beings that could come and, and not only the Jews, but the Romans had their certain ideas too. that these powerful superheroes or powers or gods could come down and, and, and do horrible, destructive things to, to their enemies or anybody causing, trying to cause them harm or anything. Jesus is not saying he was literally could in the sense that, uh, that, uh, that that's the kind of thing he would do. He's saying, but that's how your kingdom operates. Your kingdom operates upon this idea of dominating, the power of domination, the power to, uh, to put people down, to injure people, to harm them, like you're doing to me. And if I was like you, I would take up the sword, and I've got a million people out here, all these people that were following me around for a while. I could have taken up the sword because that's what they were looking for is a King David warrior, another uh, Messiah on a horseback with a, with a sword drawn and ready to kill all its enemies. So if you think I'm like David, and that's what they wanted me to be, that's not what it was like, and I didn't choose to be like that, David. And that upset their whole idea of a Messiah, because their whole idea of a Messiah was supposed to be this new prophet warrior that comes along and delivers them from whatever they felt they were being oppressed by, particularly the Romans, but to do it in the same way that the Romans do it, by using the power of domination, the power of violence. And that's not how it works. That's not how it works for me. Because you see, within me is the essence of all that the all that the, this this if you want to call it creator father source or energy is is love a love that takes the most oppressed person and pulls them up and lets them know the divine nature that's in them love that uses the, uh, or is empowered by this divine nature to heal the sick to feed the poor because see, in riches, and the reason it's so easy in riches is because when you have money and you have a lot of trinkets attached to you, and you have power within a community that everybody recognizes you because you've got all this money and everything, you now have this power of domination whether you want to admit it or not. You have built an ability to have a power to dominate over other people. And we see it in society today within the courts. We see it in, in, in the injustice done to people in, in poor communities. And, and, and it continues because that's why the rich, that's why it's so hard for the rich to enter that kingdom of God. That's not about power, power as the world determines power, but about powerlessness. 
about having no power, the poor without power people. And that's why they love each other so much. They don't hold any ability to have a power domination over the rich. None at all. They don't have any ability. They don't hold places and positions in the, within the politics of this world. They don't hold places, positions in police departments or judges' benches or none of that. Matter of fact, they don't even get any recognition there. They're cast out before they walk in the door. And you can talk about justice, but it's not justice. And I've seen it clearly. I spent 20 years working in investigations and everything else, and it so enlightened me of the injustice of it all that I had to walk away from it all and say, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to cause that kind of harm to people's lives. Because it was the spirit with, of, of, this, of this same life that was in that Yeshua Bar Yosef that was within me. That same divine life was within me. And another thing I get really sick of is people want to emphasize that the base nature of humans is that power domination. They start with the Jewish Adam and never start with the creation or that even Paul talks about later in the New Testament and especially Colossians that we were created in him. Speaking of this, 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 spiritual essence of non-denomination or dominating over people and even says born we were we were we were born without shame without guilt and all that but every time i talk to a religionist they're stuck on saying well man's too evil and he's bad altogether well i don't think that's the base nature of man i think that's the base nature of our culture that mankind has been in for a long time in sacrificing people to appease whatever it is they're trying to appease, uh, upset of their uh, 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 their domination, uh, their empire, their their group, their little cult or whatever. And but I see Jesus here, and that's why he answers Peter in such a way. You know, get thee behind me, Satan, because it's, oh, Lord, you can't die. Well, he was right. The Lord shouldn't be killed in a sense. Uh, you know, here he is, an innocent man or whatever. But at the same sense, he's saying, Peter, you don't understand. You don't understand what real power is, the power of love is. You don't understand the powerlessness it's seen as in this world. You don't understand how weak it seems in this world. You don't understand how how this world doesn't even, you know, they can talk about love, but they don't know what love is because they don't act out of love. The world system is not based on, a, on, on anything but an adversarial position against the love that this, this universe had. In a sense, if you want to say God created it, yes, love created it. Not a dominator, not one that was seeking to be a god. Because that God, if he was any kind of position like that, says he became mere flesh. He became like us. How many gods do you know that are going to just become human? If you look at all the stories of all the ancient myth gods, they never wanted to become human. That's why the pyramids were built. They wanted to be more than human. They wanted to be dominators from when they died and dominators into the afterlife. They wanted to be people that powered over people then, and they wanted to power over people and everything they owned, uh, that they possessed, to say, see, this makes me important, and I am going to sit upon the throne as a god. 
Well, that's what I'm saying, people. You may not buy the Christian doctrine Dhamma, and I admit to you, and I'll tell you, there's a lot wrong with it, a whole lot wrong with it. But there's nothing wrong about this powerless life that Christ lived, and I say, I use that word powerless again in relationship to how you think of power, in relationship to how this world says we have power, success, the ability to dominate, the ability to tell this person you go there and you go there and you do what I say or else. There's a whole different picture of the kingdom of God or heaven, which is even a better word because the word God is really not even used in those passages. The divine or divineness is used because God always draws a picture again in your mind of that old man on the bench, the old man just waiting to whack all those that don't believe in him because he's got such a big ego that if you don't believe in him or his story that he beat up this Jesus uh, for your sake, uh, that he's going to burn you and torture you forever. It's a wrong picture of what life is and love is and what is within us and the ability we have within us to change that by determination of recognizing the divine life within us is that same divine life that acted in and through and about this Yeshua bar Joseph that took him to a cross rather than exercise domination like that culture did in his time, rather than exercise powering over others like that culture did in that time and still does today. It is the Satan. It is the adversary against all of our own truth. Our own truth that lies within us. And so I love Jesus more than anything you could possibly think because I love that story and I love the nature of what I see in him. You could take the words and the words have been played with. You could take any of it. But if you just, if you've seen Jesus, if you ever come to see him face to face, as I did in my epiphany, it will draw all the disbelief out of you, and it'll draw all the belief out of you, the wrong beliefs, the wrong beliefs that we've been living by within our religion called Christianity, and the way we've persecuted other religions as well. I have found no religion that really wants to recognize first that fullness of humanity that looks just like this, Jesus, from the very beginning, they always want to draw upon pulling out later after the fact the evil they did because they called it good then. And then later looking at evil and say, oh, we're bad people. No, you were mistaken, people. You forgot. You forgot who you were made. You forgot how you were created, if you want to say created or what your base nature is, and that your base nature is you will love. And it's a shame that tragedy has to bring us to those places where we just let go of all our differences and we see a life that's in need and we reach out to that life. Well, you know, if we'd realize that we're all that life, we're all in need of knowing every day our true nature 
and that we can share our divine nature with another. Not that they don't have that nature, but they're in a position that this world, the kingdom of this world has brought them to. And you may be still, uh, you may be not, you may be not the oppressor. You may be standing back and you see it happen. But if you let it happen, you don't come in and you say, look, stop the clock here, you know, then you're just accepting the injustice too. Don't accept the injustices of this world. You know, if somebody was talking about criminals in prison and their blah, blah, this and that. And I said, well, let me remind you what Jesus said. Did any of y'all visit me in prison? Wait a minute. What does that say? There's a divine life in that person in there that you're calling a criminal. They did horrible things. They did things that were just terrible. But Jesus is saying, hey, the same life that's in me is in him. And you're treating him just as they treated me when I was here. You need to reverse that process. You need to turn that around. You know, like one person said, you know, just to show you a, another distinct picture, if we were really about justice in this world, there'd be no Ten Commandments hanging on the courthouse doors. There would be the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard, and that's what the dominators told them, it's what the, the ideology of domination tells you, the Satan tells you, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Get retribution. Make him pay. Blah, blah, blah. And Jesus said, you heard, but I, and he says, nobody's seen the Father but me. I come down from heaven. He is the only and true representation of what this real uh, this, this essence of all life is in his life and how he lived it. And he says, I say unto you, love your enemy and do good to your enemy. The first way you do that is you get rid of the idea that they're your enemy. Jesus drew that picture up clearly in the story of the Samaritan and in and throughout his whole life. Even though the Pharisees opposed him, they used their authority and their supremacy over him, and they wanted to use violence against him, and they planned the violence against him because he would not answer them in the way that they wanted him to answer. He would not go along with their agenda. He would not go along with their plan. He had turned and rejected their way, their plan, their agenda, the way of this world of the power domination and became someone powerless with not a place to lay his head. Didn't even know really what money was about because like the, the, the most interesting picture is when they uh, start talking about, you know, is it just, you know, this money here, does it belong to God or Caesar or whatever? And he says, show me a coin. Hey, he didn't have a coin in his pocket. He gave all that to Judas to carry. Judas was the money hungry dude. He let Judas, the most, the, the biggest thief there to haul the, the haul around money. And someday I'm going to do a, do a deal about money. But anyway, 
I don't want to drag this out. There's so much I had so many things I'd want to share, and I, it could take two, three days just to. But uh, I'm not tell I'm not telling you what to believe. Y'all believe what you want to believe. You're going to. I'm not an authority. I'm not a supremacist. Because number one, I can't harm you if you believe anything different. I can't. I'm powerless. I am absolutely powerless to do anything to you that you could do to me if you're in a place of power, what you consider power. Let go of the, if you really want to walk in the spirit, let go of the attachments of these things that you're drawing your identity from and you're drawing your idea of what it means to be powerful from. Let go and become powerless. Let go and become powerless like the Christ. Let that spirit of divine life within you that's been put there by the creator, the source, or the energy, or what has always been, let it come forth. Let it be your life and focus on it. And you know what? When you brought to that place of powerlessness, that's when you really truly start to love. You learn to love. Because you know love is the only true power that's going to get you through this world. It's going to get you past and through everything that's looking to kill you now. Everything out there that's looking to kill you now. And it is. It's all looking to kill you. This world doesn't offer anything to give you life. It's working constantly to kill you and knowing your base nature of love. It's looking, working in every possible way to redirect all your attention toward domination over people rather than letting go of that and learning the real power of love. And Jesus draws such a distinct picture, and I wish y'all could see the kingdom of God as I see it, this, the kingdom of love. God is love, love that does no harm. Love that does no harm. So forget all that you've been taught. Forget what the world's telling you. Rid yourself of that God even. And find the divine life within you. And then you will find in that same life that was in him, the same life in you. And there will be your God. Not a dominator, but someone that's willing to lay down their life for their friend and someone that's willing to love others even as they love themselves. Someone that's willing to, to take the opposite road, to take the opposite path. Somebody that's willing to step away from the way that the world does things and seeks to do things in a whole different way and a whole manner. And I can tell you, it's the most beautiful life because I have a peace in my heart and I have a peace in my mind. And I've been through so much in this life and I played a part in that whole ideology and concept. And I too was a big member of that cult, but I've withdrawn my cult membership. I've abandoned authority and the ideas of supremacy. I'll take on the powerlessness of Jesus. And if Christ and the Christ that we put there in what we think is power. And he shows us power isn't that at all. The very resurrection is not about 
to come back and kick our butts. The very resurrection shows that he was right about it. He was right about this path of not accepting the domination and power of this world, but loving us. And love wins. And I'm telling you people, love's going to win. But it's not as long as we hold on to the ideas of this world because we're not allowing it to win. We're joining the cult and we're taking up our swords and we're yelling and screaming at this same Jesus on a cross and saying, kill him, crucify him, murder him. Quit lying about it. Be honest first with yourself and then be honest with the life that this God has given you, which is a life, a beautiful life in the spirit. It may not be that hot out there. For some it is. For some it's not. But for the some that are not, we stand in their place. We accept their powerless position of, of being poor and oppressed by this world to lift them up to know who they are so that they might walk in peace and love, even in the midst of their adversity, even in the midst of their pain and their suffering, you can provide them what they need, and that's a friend. And that's what we all need is a real, true friend. And to me, the Christ, Yeshua, the life he lived, really has become my friend, my very best friend, and has been my friend for a very, very long time. Because it's in him I find my true life. I find my life without judgment upon it. I find my life with no longer sin in it. Not accepting or believing in him. That same life in him that's in me. I found myself having righteousness. Not as the world sees it. But as in doing right. In doing good to my enemy, to those that would consider themselves my enemy. I don't consider anybody my enemy. I don't even consider those that are as pilot, as a pilot standing up there my enemy. They're not my enemy. My heart breaks for them that they know no other power than the power of domination, and they're not powerless. I would pray that they become powerless, that they might find love. And that's my prayer for all of us to understand what that powerless means. It is power. It's the greatest power that has ever been or ever will be. But in the views of the world, love is powerless. It's, it's absurd to them. It's like the stumbling block of the cross. So I leave that with you and say, look, peace out. I love y'all. I don't care if you like me, don't like me. You don't agree with me. Uh, you know, I'm just sharing things that are on my heart, been on my heart for a long time. I want to be all things to all men because I try to, I, I want to include everybody. I want to include even as Jesus did the Pharisees. He he, he went to dinner with them and, and they invited him or whatever. I'll sit down with a Donald Trump or a Joe Biden. I'll sit down with a local cop and have dinner. I don't hate him. I don't hate the religious. I'll sit down with any church member. I don't hate them. I'll sit down with you. If you're a Christian that don't believe the way I do, that's fine. I'll sit down with you. But I bet you will not invite me to dinner before I would invite you to dinner. 
And if you do, you probably got one purpose in mind, and that's to trip me up like they tried to trip Jesus up. But you can't do it, you know, because I realized the power of love, and it's powerless in the view of the world. It's powerless in the view of most people. It has nothing to do with the kind of power that they view power, and neither does God have anything to do with the type of God that they've got in the image of their minds. Look to Jesus. He shows the real power of creator or God or whatever that holds all things together, that holds all things in one, one, one infinite, no-end universe. Get God out of your box. You can't put him in a circle uh, because there is no him. There's no her. It's not even really an it. God doesn't have a name. But I can tell you the divine nature in you has your name. And the divine nature in your brother and sister out there has their name. So if you want to see God, then start seeing your brother and sister. Start loving them and quit dominating over them and powering over them and mistreating them and treating them like they, they're just shit in this world. No matter what they've done, they have and are born with value and worth. All the value and worth that you churches Jesus had. They have all the value and worth as he who holds all things together or it that holds all things together because we're all part of it. In him, we move, we breathe, we have our very existence. I use him as a pronoun, a Greek pronoun, autos, it could say in him, her, or it. If I say it, people get upset because they, they, they've got their own little God in their box and he's a male and he's an old man. Well, I, I prefer in it we have, we move, we breathe, we have our very existence, this unknown God, but he's no longer unknown to me because in Jesus, I see the essence of what this it is. And I hope you do too. That's my final message. Love you all. Peace out. And uh, hey, if you don't want to be my FB friend, that's fine. I want to be yours. Peace out. Oh, where's my anchor? What did I do with it? Come on, come on, come on, come on.